Welcome to The Green Horizon, the official podcast of the environmental nonprofit Ideas for Us. Join us as we dive deep into sustainability innovation, exploring the green frontiers of tech, business, and design to advance environmental action. Learn about how next level ideas are changing the world. Everybody. My name is Caroline Chamanix. I am the COO of Ideas for Us, and you're listening to the official Ideas for Us podcast. Today, we're excited to welcome Caleb Quaid, the owner and founder of Regenerative Shift. So Caleb worked in professional sports, working for the NFL, overseeing stadium operations and capital projects. And today, he's activated in holistic environmental consulting based in tax incentives and nature-based solutions. So we're so excited to bring you on. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Awesome. So why don't you get us started with, you know, going into your background and sharing where you're from and what inspired you to start tackling environmental issues? Of course. Thank you. So um, as I mentioned in the intro, my background is a little bit circuitous to make it into the environmental space. I spent most of my professional career working in the National Football League, mostly with the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, that had been my passion to work on the business side of sports and um, was fortunate to spend about 10 years there in a stadium operations role, um, overseeing our game operations, facilities, and capital project management, including the, the renovations and new construction that we did at the stadium and practice facility during that time. And really enjoyed that for a long time. It was my passion. And over time, my passion shifted as I started learning more about the environmental space, specifically environmental regeneration, which became just a, a, an area of interest for me. And over time, that became an itch that I needed to scratch. And so in 2021, after, you know, kind of a long period, including managing some COVID stuff at the stadium, which was in some ways a lot of fun. We won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady, but in other ways was really challenging kind of working at the stadium during the, the COVID times, decided to make that shift towards uh, my new focus, which is called Regenerative Shift, which um, focuses on providing holistic consulting to mostly businesses, municipalities um, on how they can pick the low hanging fruit of sustainability, which a lot of that these days is tax incentive stuff. If the government's going to give you money to go green, you might as well do that. And then how do you pick that fruit and then plant the seeds by doing some things that are really beautiful and promoting the biodiversity and and health of the environment around you as you're uh, stewarding land and water. Sounds like a win-win. So when you say the word regeneration, I feel like that's a word that's coming up more and more. What is that to you and how does that apply to the business realm? So I saw something recently that only 4% of Americans can answer some basic questions about regenerative agriculture. So maybe give a little bit of a background with it. Um, I'm sure your, your listeners are more savvy than the average American. <laughs> but the um, so it, regeneration uh, started in agriculture, generally speaking, and has some indigenous roots that go back thousands of years, but became a term regenerative agriculture in like the 60s um, with some names like Alan Savory and Joel Salatin and some of these guys looking at ways to... Um, do agriculture in a way that's um, nature-based and incorporating soil health into it. So whereas you'd have traditional agriculture, industrial agriculture might be monoculture, you know, which is one, 
one type of plant, a whole field of wheat or, or corn, um, and might be focused on, you know, certainly profit and yield and efficiency and scalability and durability of goods and some of those things that kind of fall into traditional uh, agriculture metrics. Regenerative agriculture, certainly, you know, profit and yield and things are all critical, but it focuses first and foremost on, on soil health. Um, as as a thing, and then all the other things kind of kind of build in there, and has very different practices as it relates to building out soil. Um, and so, where you know those principles, um, you know, for healthy soil is are, is critical for for at least four reasons. One is if you're in the agriculture space, healthy soil makes healthier food. That can be quantified. That seems kind of obvious to me that having healthy soil is going to make healthier food. Um, healthy soil is also the building block of an ecosystem. So whereas if you have um, soil that's been sprayed with Roundup and, and is using these chemical fertilizers, you pick up a handful of it, it might literally have no life in it whatsoever. Um, healthy soil, whether it's regenerative agriculture, just healthy soil will have more microbes in it than there are people on the planet in one handful. And so that's the, the, the basis of the food chain, the little things get eaten by the plants and animals. And, and before you know it, you got, you know, black bears walking around, right? It's so the ecosystem starts at that base level there. Um, another thing that healthy soil does that's critical in the region we're in, in the Tampa Bay region, is healthy soil filters and cleans water. And is, you know, and, and actually probably the most important thing that we could do uh, with that, because doubly, the, the thing that we do right now that most pollutes our water is our unsustainable agriculture and lawn maintenance practices. So you have um, healthy soil will soak in the water, the microbes and stuff will eat it. It will filter down into the aquifers and make their way out in the, the beautiful springs that we have in Florida in this ecosystem. And it has the double benefit of not also poisoning that water, which runs off into the into our storm drains and out into the Gulf and causes a lot of the, the blooms of the algae that we're seeing these days. Um, so it, you know, it, it helps to clean water, which is which is critical. And then the, the, the last one and the one that when I learned this really was a light bulb for me and is one that I think is also really applicable to, to the business world, healthy soil uh, captures and stores tons and tons of carbon, like literally tons of carbon per acre. And, and so there was um, a study that came out in 2020 from the Rodale Institute that just looked at agriculture, but to put it at a global scale, if we were to transition from the way we do agriculture today to regenerative agriculture worldwide, which is a big task, but we know how to do it and we could make that transition, it would offset our global carbon emissions annually. So, you know, we have all this, you know, macro level with climate change and, and all these different things that we're dealing with where most of the focus is on carbon as this enemy that we're trying to fight. And I have a different perspective on carbon than that, but that that is, um, you know, we could with this one solution, if we implemented this globally, that could be, you know, perhaps the biggest piece of the puzzle to solving this, this climate thing. So that's the base level of regeneration. Your question is, what is regeneration? So it starts with soil. Um, you know, to me, the, the idea of regeneration has evolved far beyond soil. And it's the slogan of my business is life at the center. And looking at you know, regeneration to me is putting life at the center of each decision, of each action, of all the things that we're doing. It's just adding a layer of thought to our decision making of how can we do this in a way that helps to create life and be the keystone species that we as humans have the opportunity to be in this ecosystem that we interact with. Um, and so that's, you know, most people would define regeneration as certain soil management practices, and that's certainly a part of it. 
I look a little bit more of a, how do we learn from nature and interact with nature in a way that um, is creating life through our interaction with it. That's amazing. So you were saying that regeneration can be the soil level, right? Of creating ecosystems, cleaning water, reducing wastewater, reducing algae blooms, toxic algae blooms um, from an ecological sense, but can it also include things like circular economy and kind of more creative versions of regeneration? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, you know, looking at, there's um, a really good organization, um, regeneration.org is a great place for your listeners to start if they want to get an introduction to, to regeneration that looks at how the whole picture fits together. Following how nature works is necessarily holistic, right? Nature does not, one little part interacts with all the other parts in nature. And that's the way the, the philosophy of regeneration is working as well. So on that website, and many other resources you can find how solar energy and microgrids and clean cook stoves and agroforestry and you know conservation of natural resources and you know marine aquaculture all these things kind of fit in and um, interact with the systems that they're in but also fit in this holistic system that we have of this this global environment that we have yeah and there's so many interchangeable interconnected things, just like our ecosystem, right? Of how we interact with the environment and the people and the society around us um, coming from that, you know, nature-based view. So let's talk about businesses. We know that the United Nations has created these SDGs that are tools for developed and developing countries to push forward and sustainability and regeneration is very aligned with the SDGs in a lot of ways. So can you talk about how some of your strategies are aligning with businesses with the United Nations SDGs in mind? So the, the SDGs are this framework for how to look at things actually. And I think they do a really good job of looking holistically at, you know, not just carbon, but, you know, it's got life on land and life on water and it has all these different goals around, you know, environmental justice and, and, you know, equity and things that fit into this holistic view of how, again, how regeneration would say the environment works and how my experience would, would confirm. And so I think they did a really good job. I think, you know, regeneration sometimes goes a little bit beyond the, they're a little mechanistic in, in the way that the UN is framing things. And my company does the same thing. We have um, certain goals that we say, we are actively pursuing life on land and life on water and the built environment and some of these things. And there may be other goals that maybe we aren't as actively managing through our business. And I think it's a really good way for, um, a, it's a good point for businesses to look at these goals and figuring out which of these 17 goals does your business align with, you know, certainly making sure that your business is aligning with some of them and isn't harming others at, at a minimum of that. And how are you fitting, fitting in that framework with it? I haven't seen very many United States businesses that are really focusing on those as a thing. It's much more of an international focus, but, you know, the ESG programs should, you know, absolutely be aligning with those at this point. I think it's a beautiful framework to start with. Awesome. And another thing that is kind of connected to that is a hot topic right now, which is the Inflation Reduction Act. I feel like a lot of people don't really know what that is or don't really understand how that can be connected to their business or what they're doing. So could you kind of give us an overview of what the Inflation Reduction Act is 
and how um, businesses and um, groups can get involved with it. The Inflation Reduction Act is, for, for anybody who might not have heard of it, is the big federal environmental bill that was signed in August of 2022 and enacted in January of this year. So it's current law and different parts of it, but generally speaking, it runs for 10 years. So it run for the next 10 years here. And it um, is announced as having $377 billion of funding, which itself is a lot of money to, to put into these environmental initiatives. Um, but if you actually get into it, like I have, most of the major programs aren't even capped. So um, it's a lot of money that um, can support, I mean, really, I know we'll get into it some today, but there, it's like, you know, Oprah used to give away cars, like you get a car, you get a car, like there is money for just about everybody under who's trying to do some type of environmental initiative under, under this act, whether you're an individual, a homeowner, a business, um, states, state governments can start getting things, agriculture producers, also, you know, nonprofits, you know, for very, you know, certain incentives have been in the past for nonprofits, but now there's much, much more opportunity for nonprofits to get solar and other, other um, um, incentives under this program and other environmental initiatives that maybe in the past you weren't able to get as a non-taxpayer. It's, it's a game changer. I think in the next, you know, couple of years here, particularly around commercial solar and a few of these other um, initiatives, you're going to see exponential growth of this because the government basically said, we're going to make this so it's a no-brainer financially for anybody to do these environmental initiatives because they have big, uh, the Biden administration announced these big climate goals of by 2035, cutting our carbon as a nation in half. And this is maybe not going to get us all the way there, um, but it's certainly the biggest environmental legislation we've had in maybe my lifetime towards towards that type of goal. So how is commercial solar related to uh, reducing the inflation? So, I, yeah, so the um, the Inflation Reduction Act is kind of a, a funny name for, for this particular bill because it's, you know, you spend a trillion dollars and, and reduce inflation through it. I think, um, you know, there's a long history of, of acts not being named exactly what they what they're for. And I think that hurts the marketing around it because the Inflation Reduction Act, that doesn't sound like an environmental bill, like the Green New Deal or something would. Um, I think the the way, you know, answering, you know, the political spin that the Biden administration might have on how this bill would help uh, reduce inflation would be, if you look at the nuts and bolts of it, it is incentivizing domestic manufacturing, is incentivizing high paying jobs for um and apprenticeship programs to train a workforce. It's investing um, a lot of stuff in the infrastructure in the United States. It goes hand in hand a lot of with the uh, bipartisan infrastructure bill, you know, to build out the infrastructure for more resiliency and uh, less reliance on foreign stuff that you know can be impacted by supply chains and 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 have inflation that way. So let's talk about how individuals can benefit from the IRA. Is this just something that only businesses or only nonprofits can benefit from? No, the, there's tons of incentive programs. Um, if you're a homeowner, there's quite a bit. You know, there, there's always been it's been in place, but they extended and added a few extra percentage points to the solar um, as well. So if you want to put renewable energy on your home, you can get a thirty percent tax credit for that now. But one of the big uh, programs they did, it's for somebody who wants to look it up, it's uh, pro, uh, section 25C and it's energy efficiency home improvement credit. And so this credit now you can get 30% of your cost of uh, certain energy efficiency improvements to your home up to $1,200 a year. So essentially you, if you spend $4,000 on getting um, 
different upgrades to your home, you can get up to $1,200 as a tax credit off your taxes for doing it. So, um, and there's, there's a bunch of nuances in it. So it encourage people to go to there's uh, cleanenergy.gov is the, the website to, that has all the information for the homeowners and individual stuff. But if you get a new air conditioning system for your home, you can get $500. Or if you get a heat pump air conditioning system, which is a very energy efficiency one, that actually is $2,000 that you can get for it. Insulation for your home. If you do insulation or, or other window stripping and stuff, again, 30% up to $1,200. So um, this is stuff that the government will pay you to save money on your electric bills. So might as well start to, to do that. I, I had a, an energy audit and then hired somebody to come out and do some weather stripping and insulating uh, for my home. And that'll be getting me a, a tax credit this year on my, on my home. Additionally, um, if you're in the market for an electric vehicle, um, two, two really interesting things. Um, one, there's section 30 D, which is the clean vehicle credit. That's for new vehicles. Um, I'm going to encourage you again, you can go to cleanenergy.gov to find the link to this, but there's also fueleconomy.gov will tell you which vehicles get which credits, but you can get up to $7,500 for, um, for new electric vehicles. And, um, I know Caroline, you, you like Tesla, um, Tesla's get $7,500. Elon Musk announced that before the government did. He did a tweet uh, last week to say every Tesla vehicle now qualifies for it. And the website's been updated that now all Teslas qualify for a $7,500 new vehicle credit. And then something that is really cool for the first time ever, knowing that like not everybody is in the market for a new vehicle, there are, you can get up to $4,000 on used electric vehicles or certain plug-in hybrids, certain clean vehicles that, that fall under that. Um, so if you are in the market for certain Priuses or, or Teslas or anything in the, in the used market space, now you can get a tax credit of up to $4,000 for that as an individual as well. Um, and those for electric vehicles, a lot of that translates over to business as well. But, you know, as you're looking for anything, if you are a tree hugger and like to do things that are environmental um, by nature, now there are probably some ways that the government will pay you to do it. That's amazing. My 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 old Prius is going to not like that information, but I'm really excited because to have an incentive to be more sustainable, to have a, a clean energy vehicle, that's kind of the only way that some people are going to be able to afford it, right, is to have that tax incentive. So would that happen um, when when we do our taxes or how does that work? Yeah. So they, again, cleanenergy.gov is a really good resource for anybody who wants to look at it for the, it doesn't cover commercial stuff there, but it does cover all the stuff for individuals and, and gives you that. But yeah, you would, you would purchase it, you know, whatever, whatever the, the either the, the vehicle or the solar or the, the new air conditioning system, whatever it may be. And then when you do your taxes in 2020, you know, in, you know, for, the 2023 tax year, that would be credits that would come right off your tax liability. And there's there's some provisions with that. Certainly consult your tax accountant and you have to owe the taxes to get the credits. There's certain things on different programs, lots of nuances. Um, not really what I do with my business specifically, but if anybody has any questions, they want to reach out to me on social media or via email, we'll be happy to talk through that as well with them to point them in the right direction. Could you give us some examples of how the IRA or the Inflation Reduction Act um, can benefit businesses? You said solar, you said training. What are some instances of this that you've seen? Yeah, so the, the, the IRA has like 150 programs in it. And so there's 
you know, certainly probably several podcasts worth of conversations on different things. Um, a couple to highlight. So one of the, one of the really big changes under the IRA was to commercial solar. Um, and it, it's, it's not just commercial solar. There's a lot of um, renewable energy things, geothermal wind as well in the Florida area that I'm in. You know, the dominant one that people are talking about is solar because that's a well-established industry that has a really good ROI before some of these incentives. But on, on commercial solar, they increased the amount of the credit under the base credit um, by a few percentage points. So the base credit's now 30% for you, know, you, you spend, you know, your business, you spend $100,000 on a solar project, you get $30,000 tax credit that year for it. But then they, they went back and they also added additional incentives uh, around tying into what I was talking about with domestic um, domestic production. If you buy things that meet the domestic content, that's an additional 10%. They just, um, if you're in certain communities um, and, and have certain project goals, like regional co-ops in low-income communities, you can even get up to 50 or 60% of direct government tax savings towards your system in year, year one, which if you know anything about the way the solar um, ROI works, if you're getting 40, 50, 60% off it, you're getting quite a bit of money back and you're having a four or five year ROI at the most on, on that type of system. The other, the other big thing for businesses that it did under solar was it gave an accelerated depreciation um, for businesses. So when you buy solar, that typically will be 25 years that you're depreciating that asset over. And without getting into too much detail, they've now accelerated that depreciation where you can decelerate the whole thing over five years. And in 2023, 80% of that depreciation can be in year one. So when you factor that in, it ends up being, you know, even without some of the added incentives half off in your year one tax bill for getting solar for commercial businesses, which again, can often be paid for by less than the cost of your electric bill each month. So when you're getting huge government incentives for it, that, uh, that really makes it a no brainer for a lot of businesses. Another program that's uh, been greatly in, uh, incentivized by the inflation reduction act is the energy efficient commercial buildings deduction. So this has been around for a long time for anybody who's familiar with it. It's section 179D and it used to be $1.80 a square foot. And now it's up to $5 a square foot for, uh, for buildings that, you know, install or retro either build new or install to honestly, not even that stringent of energy efficiency standards. You can qualify for very likely up to $5 a square foot for just about any building that's being built this year and any major retrofit. So if you're an older building that needs to go back and replace the air conditioning, this air conditioning system or upgrade lighting or add insulation or even a new roof can sometimes qualify. You can do some energy modeling, figure out how much you're saving versus a actually a quite antiquated code at this date and get a tax incentive, tax deduction for that right now. Um, the, the IRA without spending too much more time on it, huge incentives for any company that's looking to um, add electric vehicles to their fleet or add any infrastructure around ele electric vehicles to their properties. There's there's money for just about anything that's green that you can do as a business. There's money that helps to, to promote that. Amazing. So there's not a lot of people that help businesses with this right now, right? How could you as a business apply to the IRA and have some of the benefits that they're offering? Yeah, so there, there's there are some websites. So depending on what you're specifically trying to do, there you know, solar. There's some good information that you could probably find out on your own on the, on on the web. Um, there are, you know, I'm one of them, but there are you know consultants that you can work with that can help to 
explain this stuff. I mean, there's new stuff coming out every day. Just yesterday, there was a 118 page document on industrial facilities that I was reading and trying to understand, get, get prepared for a, a client meeting today. You know, so it, it's navigating and things are changing along the time. So certainly would recommend, you know, as a plug to to talk to me or somebody else that that is learning this um, there, you know, as as things grow in popularity and get more established, there certainly are, are more people that are waking up and learning, wait, wait, a trillion dollars. I should probably either designate somebody within my company to learn about this or or hire somebody who does. Certainly, as you're planning these, these projects, a lot of these things, I have um, a company that I'm working with that had already done some of these projects and was already planning to do more of them without even realizing that there was any tax incentives that could come with it. And so now we're talking about, okay, well, you're already doing these things. How do we get these tax incentives for you to do them? And so you'll, you'll find that, I mean, like, you know, the air conditioner might go out on your building or the chiller plant on your building might go out and you might be looking to replace that. Well, if you're looking to replace that, you know, it's a really good time to look at the 179D deduction, for example. Amazing. So, Besides what you do helping companies with the IRA, what are some other projects or programs that you have going on with Regenerative Shift? And maybe what's one of your favorites? So what I what I look to do is like holistic environmental consulting, which necessarily involves being very customized to the business and understanding the, understanding the process. So I work with companies as a, what are your business goals? What are you spending money on? Certainly, you know, you're talking to me. So hopefully the environment fits into there in, in some capacity, or if it, or if you're we're working with me for too long, it will, but let's start with what, what, what's the business goals are you trying to do? What's the, the, you know, the product you're doing and how you're trying to deliver your service. You know, one of my clients um, very much prides themselves on, on their service-based organization and customer service, you know, okay. So you're, you're a customer service organization. And so everything that you're doing has to fit into a customer service lens. So how does the environment fit into that customer service? lens and looking at things like that. And what almost always you can find is there just by looking at things, you know, a little bit differently, there are things companies are spending money on today or business goals that they have that, you know, for the same amount of money or less or tying in with a marketing message or some something that fits into a goal, a way that that can be done, um, you know, more environmentally friendly. And so you asked about what's a favorite project of mine. Um, you know, I did a, I did a project that I'm most famous for at Raymond James stadium with a bamboo fence that I love. And it's certainly a favorite pro project of mine, but a, a project that, you know, I'd say is my favorite is a, actually a relatively small one, but it was a, um, it was a butterfly garden at an elementary school. And that was a, you know, really simple project. We planted a bunch of native plants and did a school assembly in partnership with uh, Little Red Wagon Native Nursery came out and did some educational stuff. Um, but that was funded and uh, promoted by a construction company that I work with, Ellison Construction, that um, does work with Hillsborough County Schools and wanted to do something that, you know, construction certainly has opportunities to go greener and Ellison and, and many other companies are looking to do that. But there's also things you can do outside of, okay, you know, what's the overall message of client relationship and tying to this environmental branding that can be done, you know, and, and, and plant, you know, and bringing butterflies to an elementary school is a beautiful way to do that. And so working with companies on what's the big picture that you're trying to solve, how do you 
um, I mentioned at the beginning, how do you pick the low hanging fruit, you know, get the money, do the things that are, you know, put solar on your rooftops and get the three year ROI because the, um, the government's going to give you way too much money to do it. Yes, do that, pick that fruit and plant the seeds from that fruit into something that's beautiful and is creating more life. So do you find that businesses already have an interest in doing environmental projects or focusing on sustainability? Or do you feel like this is something that um, you're taking like an educating role when you have these conversations? Pretty much universally uh, with, you know, a savvy business owner or, or leadership team knows that the way of doing business in the past will not work into the future. And so you'll find companies that are in various stages of that journey. Um, and a lot of what I'm doing is outside of, cut, is cutting edge. I mean, environmental regeneration outside of agriculture, you know, there are a handful of companies that are talking about this in the world. Um, and so most of, a good chunk of what I'm doing on the, on both the Inflation Reduction Act and on the um, re regeneration side is education, letting people know, hey, did you know that you could save all this money? No, I didn't. Well, we should talk because you could save all this money. Or did you know that soil holds carbon? No, I didn't, but I'd like to hold carbon and we could do this. And, oh, wait, it costs less than the landscaping costs that I have right now because it's native and I don't need to water it or maintain it as much. Wow. So I, I find that you know it is an educational process. Certainly, there are companies that are very much at the forefront of it. Um, there are most of the companies I'm working with is actually one of their first green steps is kind of going along this path. And that's, that's beautiful too. And, you know, it gives you a lot, a lot of runway to keep, you know, growing things and working on things over time. And so, um, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of education, but once, once people learn about it, you know, there's, there's a business case to be made for certainly for both sides of my business that, you know, that you you can't make a case that, you know, getting money from the government and then doing things that, you know, cost you less money on the you know, soil-based side aren't going to be good for your business. Definitely. So money really does talk, right? And I think as an environmentalist, we really like to see those incentives because, you know, in order to move the needle on where we are uh, with sustainability and with the growing concerns and strains that our planet has, we really need all the help that we can get. I think businesses is such a huge part of it. So businesses can have part of their identity being helping the environment or making strides, whether it's through the management of their energy, right? Through solar energy or more renewable energy or through their land that they manage, having that carbon act as a carbon sequestration, you know? So um, all of that is really progressive in the sense of finding common ground between making money and having a profitable society and having a green and environmental society that can kind of live together is what I'm hearing from your perspective on regeneration in the, in the business world. Even companies that, um, that I've found most companies, you know, have, if they have somebody who's in charge of sustainability, they have a sustainability person or department and they, and that they have a budget, sometimes a big budget, depending on the, the goal. Okay. You've got, this but this person in this budget to do these environmental initiatives and they they often are not crossing across departments to see how that fits in with marketing goal maybe marketing sometimes or community relations but how does that fit into operational efficiency how does that fit into um you know the the marketing of it how does that fit into the finance of the business and so 
you know, the business case for environmental sustainability, well, you, you know, you, you really can't not make it at this stage with where things are headed. But even in the present, there's often, you know, these discussions just aren't happening when you're spending, you know, a large chunk of your money on the electricity in your building. That is often not even considered a sustainability discussion when it could be, and it could be tied into those, those types of things. And so what I look to do is, again, go across the different departments for what are these business goals? How does that get achieved from either cost savings or how does it fit in with marketing or resiliency or public relations or community relations or employee engagement and satisfaction? Like one of the, the projects we did was a different butterfly garden and we brought employees out to plant that garden and did that as a, as a team building opportunity, right? So you can tie into HR and things all through the way that you're engaging in the environment. And, Anybody who's put their hands in soil knows that that's that's good for morale. One hundred percent. We love to see that. You know, Ideas for Us always has different action projects where people can come together, and we've worked with Regenerative Shift before to invite people out um, to get their hands dirty, and it's a really mutual beneficial experience. So we love that. So, where do you see your business growing in the next five to ten years? What's next for Regenerative Shift? Well, I, I think that we're at the uh, a turning point where, you know, the, the Inflation Reduction Act signaled a change in the United States, and now there's going to be, it's going to be profitable, and there's going to be a lot of investments in green projects from business and from municipalities and nonprofits and everybody. Um, so I think that inevitably that's going to grow quite a bit, and there'll be lots of opportunities to help in that transition. Um, even more so, environmental regeneration is you know, is is coming is coming on and, and on a global level is being talked about at levels that it didn't get. The Inflation Reduction Act mentions soil carbon in it. And, and there, you know, there are incentives in this act that still need to get defined. It's one of the things that hasn't been fully, fully classified yet for farmers that are looking to do carbon sequestration on their land. Um, so these ideas of, you know, at least the nuts and bolts of regeneration of using soil to store carbon where it's much more useful inevitably is going to grow a thousand fold in the next 20 years in this country and you know from where it is and i don't know where regenerative shit fits in that whole picture um but playing a part in it for sure so how can people get involved with regenerative shift well you can you can follow me uh follow me or my company on linkedin and facebook or regenerativeshift.com to Stay up to date on what we're doing. There's, you know, if you want to have a conversation, would love for you to to reach out to me through my website or through um, Caleb at regenerativeshift.com as an email to have a conversation, talk about your your specific needs, um, and then you know, one thing that you can do is go to an ideas for us planting project somewhere. You'll probably run into regenerative shift there because that's one of my favorite places to hang out and and volunteer. Awesome! Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, that's the Ideas for Us podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you have enjoyed the podcast today and that you are inspired to get involved with regeneration to learn what that means for you and your community. Make sure to follow Ideas for Us on social media. Subscribe and find more episodes at ideasforus.org slash podcast. 
You can support this podcast and the environmental actions performed by Ideas for Us by becoming a member at ideasforus.org slash memberships.